Whatever you want to say, Dan. Whatever you want to say. So, Jackson. Are we live? We're right. live. We're live? Oh, we're, cool. We're, we're on. Oh, cool. Hey, Jackson. Hey, Dan. How's it going? I'm doing great. Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm good. Yeah. It's Monday. It's the Monday. The rain is falling gently. Yes. It's, uh, I mowed my lawn this morning. I need to mow mine. It was my first... First lawn mowing of the season. Mm, yikes. So it was it was pretty long. Yeah. It needed it. And I weed whacked, edged, trimmed, whatever you want to call it. You had a productive morning. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. But we are coming to you live from the Hannessy Howard studio. Good to be here. It is. It's nice. The decor is the same. The decor is the same. Nothing really has changed. Yeah. And uh, is this, are we doing, are we doing, what sort of, are we doing an intro? Are we doing a like this last episode this episode or we yeah last episode this episode kind of recap last yeah so this is this is a a live intro for a recorded part two part two what does it mean to be reformed yeah that's right so last week not last week two weeks ago whenever we last recorded yes we talked about uh reformed theology kind of gave a brief history of reformed theology dan talked about some um, theologians we talked about the difference between theology and religion yeah and five we, solas we ended with the five solas yeah, yeah we kind of yeah. walked through the five solas and then we what did we end with Oh, I remember now. Yeah, we talked about how all of this and how where we feel Reformed theology is particularly helpful is that it makes God really big and it makes us really small. Yeah. And it kind of um, helps um, with that uh, posture of our of our heart to to be to be small and, and for God to be really big. Absolutely. Yeah. So. This week on the podcast, which is, again, a recording, the second part of what we recorded last time, we are digging into TULIP, and you will learn, but TULIP is an acronym that helps us to think through sort of five points of theology that really, this is sort of more getting into Calvinism uh, as one of the the wings of Reformed theology, but often when we think about Reformed theology, some of these ideas will will come up. So, um, yeah, and this is a little bit more controversial than just the five yeah, solas, this, this right? Is, this is some stuff that um, not everyone has five petals on their on their tulip. So, yeah, um, but uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation, and we'll pick it up right here. Yeah, we'll talk at you later. Or now. <laughs> Talking to you now. <laughs> yeah. So, I think we want to talk about tulip? tulip, right? Yeah. And how many? Petals you have on your tulip? Two. (laughs) (laughs) Better than no. (laughs) Um, 
But yeah. this uh, uh, part of the reason that that I like Tulip as well is because um, it pretty accurately describes me. So, uh, <laughs> or at least in upon assessment of like me and my life, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I fall into that first category, which is yeah. total depravity of man. Total depravity. Yeah. Yeah. We are totally depraved. Yeah. That. In humanity, in man, that there is nothing good. Yes. That all goodness stems from God. Yes. And I think this is... Well, we can have a conversation here. I think this is a good... Okay. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. This is where... I think theology, Reformed theology can get a bad rap. Yeah. Um... In terms of what do we, is the, so okay. I think we would all say that when God created, yes. it was good. Yes. Right? Yes. And when God creates humanity on the final day, God says it was very good. It was very good. Right? Indeed. So how do we get from that to total depravity? Right? Well, sin mm-hmm. enters the world. Mm-hmm. Sin distorts Sin disrupts. Sin, uh, we might say, breaks the image of God yeah. in creation. Does the image still exist? Is there something of the image of God still in, in humanity? Does that exist apart from the reforming of Christ? Does a non-believer have the image of God in them? Are you asking me these questions? Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, I do think that we or all created in the image of God. And I think that we are all image bearers. Um, I think that we're flawed image bearers that the, the creation from the outset was good, but just because something is created good in the beginning doesn't mean that it stays unstained when gunk enters into the, the picture. Right. Yeah. So God's goodness was not the stain of sin came in and stained God's goodness yeah. is the answer to that, yeah. uh, the way that I would put that. Yeah. And even, I, I, you know, we, I get the question from middle schoolers of, well, I wasn't born yet, you know, mm-hmm. but you, you tell me that God created me in his image and created me perfectly. Yeah. So like what happened between my birth and like my first birthday that yeah. like I screwed that up? Yeah. And in well, then you get into original sin, right? Yeah. So then we get into original sin. That's where I was going with it. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about original sin, Daniel. Yeah. Well, the idea that, and Paul says this, uh, in Adam all die. So Adam and Eve take from the fruit of the tree. They choose to be disobedient to God, to not trust God, to um, take the knowledge of good and evil for themselves, and sin enters the world, and and all of us in the aftermath of that are born into a sinful world, are right. born into a context of sin, and the stain of sin continues that we all are we all are under the bondage to sin. That would be another Paul words from Galatians. Um, we're, we're slaves to sin, we're in bondage to sin, and that's not something that we choose, that's not something that we... We, that's the state of creation mm-hmm. and everything in creation mm-hmm. after the fall of humanity. Right. 
So, and also it's important that this is not like something that we just kind of made up. It's in yeah. scripture, it's in which scr- yeah. in the five solas, we hold that into right. authority. So this is not something that we just decided works nicely and fits nicely together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and I think, Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, and I, I think sort of where the, the first questions that I asked, I, I think where, where, what is what I would want to say is that the image of God still remains. Right. People are still created in the image of God, and and there's and God, um, still creates with intentionality and with purpose, and the things that God creates are still good. But there is the stain of sin on, on us, right? And so, um, it's like the. Did you ever take photo? Like yes. the, yeah, the, yeah. Not take a photo, but like, like a, a class. class. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so when you're developing film and yeah. walking through that process of being in a dark room, like we can yeah. take the image and we can imprint the image, and the image is the image. Yeah. But if our film is messed up, or if our um, chemicals it that we use come through is, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't come through quite right, and it's not really that we didn't capture the image, right? Yeah. But the Ooh, like the things that we are using to develop have gotten that process has gotten yeah tainted, right? And so yeah. the image still exists, and the image in the way that it was made to be still exists theoretically, right? Right? Yeah. And that's the redemptive nature of Christ. Is then He comes and changes the game and says, "Look, you've been using bad developing chemicals. Here, let's re." Let's start this process of recreating you into who you were created to right. be. Let's make yeah. this image the way that it was supposed to be yeah. in the process that we call sanctification. So yeah. we we talked about salvation earlier and kind of how this um, applies to the five solas apply to, to salvation and how Reformed theology applies to salvation. And that's still kind of what we're talking about now, but eventually we'll move into sanctification, which is yeah. kind of okay, we've been saved, what next? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, we, which yeah. is a different conversation. But Yeah. And I think what, what I would want to say is that total depravity doesn't mean that there's nothing... It doesn't, it doesn't mean that there's nothing good in us. Mm. Um, we can still use... There are still things that are given to us by God, according to God's grace, that whether we are redeemed or justified or not, we still have like reason, right? We still have reason. We still you have will, a conscience. We still have a conscience. You will still see um, non-believers doing what we would call quote-unquote good things, mm-hmm. right? There are benevolent non-believers. <laughs> um, so that's like the marring of the image. But really what I think total depravity is focusing on is that there is nothing in us that turns to God on our own. Mm. And that's where, even when we think about what is a good thing, and this is sort of where theology gets into philosophy, but um, part of a good thing is that it's directed toward a particular good end, right? Um, If I'm doing something for you, if I'm being kind to you because I want something in return, that doesn't mean that my kindness to you is necessarily bad, but the action would not necessarily be a good action because it's a selfish mm-hmm. action, right? Ultimately, it is selfish. Right. Um, 
but if I'm doing it for your good and for your benefit, then that that's better, right? So the the end for which our lives were created is God's glory, right? We were created for God. We were created for a relationship with God. We were created for God's glory. And that is the direction toward which our lives should be pointed and which our toward which our actions should be pointed. And we don't do that on our own, no. right? We don't naturally do that. Well, at least in my experience with my own life, yeah. left and, to my own devices, I don't do that. Yeah. And I think it's pretty clear as you look at the world. Or, I mean, I think total depravity is like the easiest thing to prove from just a look at the world. People are selfish. People do things for themselves. You know, yeah, you get some people that every once in a while do something that's that's good. But it's usually not for somebody else. It's because it benefits them in some way. Yeah, or maybe we do it for someone that we love. But what about someone that we don't like? I mean, it's just... <clears throat> and. So and and in all of that, even if we do good things, we don't do it for the glory of God, right? We we don't direct our hearts towards God. We don't worship God on our own, um, and therefore, you know, Jesus will say, "No one is good but God alone." Right? Um, we've all sinned, says Paul. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, because none of us are living as we ought to live, and we can't live as we ought to live on our own because sin has so corrupted right. us. And in my life, I was, I was, um, fine with, um, I was fine with total depravity because in, in my own life, it's the recognition that, yeah, this is where the world sits and this is where I sit in this depraved state with, I don't have the ability to turn and worship God, um, and there's nothing really good in me. There's no goodness intent yeah. in me. So how can I make the best choice in the world, which is to turn from the direction that I'm in, the direction that all of my actions are facing, and then make a complete 180 and turn to God? Yeah. If there's nothing good in me, yeah. that's not of me. Yeah. And that kind of brings yeah. us to point two, two, which is... Second. The U. of Tulip. Unconditional election. Unconditional election. Yeah. It's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. So, <laughs> election meaning... God's choosing of us. God's choosing us and yeah. that there's no condition for God yeah. choosing us. Yeah, exactly. Which I think is is such... It's the grace piece, right? We're saved mm-hmm. by grace through faith. And these things are obviously connected. That the... It's not conditioned upon our goodness. It's not conditioned upon our choosing it. It's not conditioned upon anything in us, but it is God's free gift of of choice. God chooses us freely, and and that is a, it's an unconditional, and it's sort of like marriage is an analogy used in scripture to talk about God's relationship with the church, right? And Mm -hmm. when you get married, you don't say, well, I'm going to marry you on the condition that you do X, Y, and Z. Right. If you cook for me, if, you know, you are always nice and if you always, you know, have sweet smelling breath or whatever, then, then we'll be good. No, it's an, I'm promising myself to you no matter what. Right. Better or worse, sickness and health, right? That's an unconditional promise. And that's the idea of this unconditional election. Yeah, and, and that's a hard one for people to wrap their minds around because it's not it's not the way that we do things in culture. Everything is conditional. 
Yeah. Everything's for sale. Yeah. Everything we do is has some sort of condition tied to it. Yeah. And so this this thought that I don't have to get my ducks in a row first, that there's this this pervasive idea, especially with youth, yeah. that that it's like, okay, yes, God will give me grace and God's salvation is for me, but I need to do XYZ first. It's like, no, you don't need the XYZ. There's no condition on this that yeah. the grace is on offer right now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So point, do you have anything else for that point? No, I mean, no, there's more. Than said, but yeah. yeah we can always say more. Yeah. So the third one is, and this is probably the hardest one. This was the hardest one for me. Limited atonement. Limited atonement. Yeah. Limited atonement. Okay. So atonement being made right with God. Yes. Right? I always like to break it down. The word at one meant atonement. Oh, that that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, atonement yeah. is the way in which we are made at one, one. with God. Okay. Limited, that means that there's limited at oneness with God. Yeah. What does that mean? So, essentially, this would be the understanding that the atonement, that what Christ accomplished on the cross is limited to the elect. So it's limited to those whom God has chosen is limited to those who receive it. Okay. So there that that causes me to go back a step. So who did yeah. who did God elect? Okay, so there's there's no condition on who yeah. God elects. Yeah. But his atonement is limited to those who are elected. Yes. I'd say that so, it's it's efficacious to use a big word. It is effective uh-huh. for the elect. Okay. Yeah. So Yeah. This gets a little messy. This gets messy. Yeah. yeah. Well, and this is where the Yeah, this is the, I mean, this is this is like a sticking point. I think mm-hmm. if there's if there's one doctrine that's hardest for people when it comes to Reformed theology, when it comes to TULIP, there's a lot of four-point Calvinists out there. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of three-point Calvinists out there, too, yeah. as we get to Irresistible Grace next. Um, and uh, So my, my, my question is, is why, why I, I know the, the answer to this, but why is it a sticking point necessarily? Yeah. Because to me, it seems like it tracks. The grace is on offer. There's no condition, but it's limited to those who accept it with no condition. Yeah. Yeah. The So if you reject it, then you don't get the benefit. Yeah. I, I don't see why that doesn't make sense. Well. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being antagonistic now. No, it's great. Now. It's great. So I think the, the well, maybe this ties into not maybe this usually ties into why irresistible grace is challenging for people too. Mm. Um, but the question would be, why is, why is the, uh, the work of Christ only for the elect? Why is it only given to, why is it only, 
don't know. Why, I guess, is it, why is it only for the elect? I guess it would beg the question, what is the elect? And if it's those who have received the unconditional thing, offer, grace yeah. on offer, yeah. then I, the word elect, I think, is is maybe unhelpful. Mm. It's the word that we have, yeah. but it's not really a, a helpful word. Yeah. So it kind of means like you've been appointed, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is not a bad, I don't know, explanation of that, but it's still yeah. just not super helpful that it kind of sounds like God's picking and choosing. Yeah. When really it's on offer to everyone. Yeah. Just take it and then you're one of God's chosen. But that goes back to point one, that if I'm inherently not good yeah, <laughs> and I can't make that choice to turn to God. Yeah. I need some help. I need some help. Yeah. So, and yeah, there's a problem yeah, the, here. The, the logic of election is 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 a challenging, right? Sure. Yeah, it, it's challenging. Um, well, let's just carry through. Okay, let's, let's carry, let's carry through. through to, yeah, to the, the other two, and then we can kind of come back and okay. maybe say some general thoughts around it. Uh, so, irresistible grace is the fourth one, uh-huh. and that is just the idea that when God calls, claims. When the grace of God moves upon us, that it overcomes mm-hmm. our opposition to it. It overcomes the power of sin. Sin and our rebellion and our rejection of God is not stronger than the grace of God, which calls us and claims us. So in that sense, it's irresistible. Yeah. yeah. Me likey. Yeah, right. Because um, otherwise, we'd be... But if you get stuck on point three, then you may not like point four yeah and again they go together well if, yeah yeah we'll come back and then finally the the fifth point is the perseverance of the saints huzzah huzzah oh when the saints go marching in oh when the saints go marching in <laughs> like that like that okay uh something like that yeah so this is this basically put the idea that you can't lose your salvation that once you have been unconditionally chosen and uh, been claimed by the grace of Christ and received the gift of at one that comes through Christ, then Christ will uh, hold you fast. We have a song about that. Yeah. He will hold me fast. So um, once in the club, always in the club. Yes. Not the 50 cent type of club. Yeah. And doesn't mean once at a church, you know, always in the club, always in the club, but uh, those who are in Christ will remain in Christ. Also, because it's... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Philippians 1.6, Paul says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. It's that idea that, um, again, from start to finish, it's grace, right? By grace, we are saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And that's not Reformed theology. That's Paul. Yeah. Who's the original Reformed theologian. I, um, You know, oddly, point number five is a sticking point for lots of people too yeah but i think kind of the inverse of points three and four right in a, in a lot of ways yeah. it's like well if there's no fruit here then they were never saved and i don't yeah. like that because yeah. you can lose your salvation yeah which i mean i think opens up to a, a different debate mm-hmm. of of you know we don't know hearts 
God knows hearts. That's the advantage of being God and yes. not yes. being human yes. is that we can't see into people's hearts. Oh, well, we can if we open them up and do surgery, yeah. but that's not what not, maybe, scripture maybe, maybe is talking about. the heart about. that we're talking about. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, there you have it. There you have there, it. There's, there's, there's tulip. Tulip. Yeah. And of course, this is where we haven't used the term, but predestination mm-hmm. election is really challenging for people. Um, which which is uh, you know it makes sense because the question that I usually get with regards to reformed theology is doesn't yeah. this make God unjust right if God is choosing some and electing some and saving some then doesn't that make God unjust and or does it make him sovereign or does it make him sovereign sorry I mean no well I yeah and I, I think we've we've talked about this before but sort of what perspective are we asking the question from sure. does so I think one response to that is. Just the reminder, if we accept total depravity, if we accept our all of us are sinners, all of us sin, all of us reject God, none of us choose to glorify God with our lives, then, and we do that freely, right? I mean, like, we don't, there's no coercion there. Yeah. Um, we freely do that by nature. Well, you could argue that there's coercion. <laughs> by the devil. By the devil. Yeah. Um, then we are all deserving of god's judgment yeah. we're all deserving of of wrath and and i would even say you know the this adam and eve as we have them in genesis the the implication is that all of us would do as they did mm-hmm. right all i um, would well, yeah so it's not just sin nature that causes us to sin but it's um there's a I've ever heard the musical Camelot, but uh, I don't it's an old so. musical Camelot. But Lancelot has this song about how if I'd been named the partner of Eve, we'd be in Eden still. He's just so confident in his own morality. And then, mm-hmm. of course, if you know the uh, story of King Arthur, Lancelot has an affair with Guinevere and is uh, no bueno and is exiled. Wah, and. Wah. You know the the obviously the irony of that is if Lancelot had been in Eden, then he would have sinned just like Adam and Eve. So, right. our, all that to say, we're all guilty, right? We're all guilty under the holiness of God. We're all worthy of damna- damnation. Um, it is only by grace that anyone is going to come into relationship with God and be saved and be brought into the kingdom. It's all grace. The other thing I would say is that we have no idea the extent of the grace of God, right? Mm. We think we know, and we, we all, I mean, I think it's human nature to be like, oh, I wonder if they're in, I wonder if they're in, I wonder yeah. if they're in, right? And I think what Reformed theology tries to get us to focus on is not who is in and who is out, but be confident that you are Christ's, Yeah, right? That's the emphasis of Reformed theology, that you are Christ's, that he has claimed you as his own, and that he will hold you fast, so trust in him. And that his 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 grace is sufficient for you. Um, and with that, we, again, we don't know, I had a professor in in, in uh, graduate school who was talking about this, and this has sort of got me over the hurdle of limited atonement. He was like, limited atonement doesn't mean that there's going to be less people in heaven, right? Limited atonement doesn't mean that... Um, that salvation is only for, you know, the 144,000 or whatever, like Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses believe. But, um, and if we believe that God is just and that God is gracious, then 
we we lean into that graciousness of God, right? Right. And trust well, that God will be do justice. And do. I I find that in my own life, and then in in the lives of people that I've had conversations with, that that reformed theology or this at least this kind of calvinist theology of of tulip um it it's helpful kind of looking back at what god has done yes and it's not really all that helpful in the language of speaking to sixth graders yeah about <laughs> like hey you follow jesus because if you lead with total depravity and i can't choose anything good yeah. Then it's like, oh, well, I can't choose to follow Jesus. It's all worthless. And yeah. it's not up to me, right? And it kind of yeah. gives this apathy. And and so I think that it's really helpful once we are we have followed Christ and once we're looking back and we're asking questions of can I lose my salvation or I keep yeah. sinning, what's wrong? And it, it kind of helps make sense of some of those things and that God's grace is still sufficient no matter yeah. what. Yeah. And um, that that God's sacrifice for you wasn't just good enough for your conversion, but it's good enough for you now, too, and, yeah. and the sins that right. you commit yeah. now and into the future. Um, and and I think it's also helpful for us looking forward in our life of how how do I then respond and how do I treat my neighbor with patience because we suck, you know, yeah. and not <laughs> expecting them yeah. to make the good choice yeah. because it's God's move. It's not it's not my move. It's not my words that are going to make any difference. It, yeah. It's God's movement in their life that's yeah. going to make all the difference. Yeah, and that what's my role in that? Well, my role is to be a vessel. Yeah. My yeah. role is to let the Holy Spirit work, not sit on my butt because I'm elect yeah. and predestined, and so I get to yeah. go enjoy heaven. Mm-hmm. But because of that, there's this response that God is going to use me, and that no matter what situation he puts me in, that it's going to be okay because he is sovereign and he's good, and there's yeah. nothing I can do to lose this. Yeah, And so it's difficult, and I probably wouldn't lean into... Calvinist tulip theology yeah. when I'm trying to have conversations of conversion with somebody. Right. But if I'm talking with somebody who has walked in in their faith and is coming to a, a, a portion of doubt or uncertainty, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, that's where I find it actually very helpful or, or someone who's kind of stuck in this apathy yeah. of what's the point anyway and the church is corrupt and blah, 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 blah. It, yeah. it, I think this really lends itself into... Christian living, practical yeah. Christian living. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. And I, I mean, I, I like never talk about Tulip. No. You know, yeah, me neither. We just kind of, it's, yeah, it's part of this. It's part of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, and, and I think, I, I would agree. I, I think for me, it's, it's, it's an undergirding undercurrent of, it's theology. also our basketball team name. It's also our basketball yeah. team name. Yeah. So if you ever wonder what that actually means, interdenominational is, humor. Yeah, exactly. That they, that, the Methodists don't understand. Yeah. Like, Why would you be called tulip? <laughs> it's not even a very strong flower. <laughs> um, I think... But I, oh, yeah. go go ahead. Yeah. I think we need final thoughts and... Yeah, we should to probably, Wrap this up. Yeah, wrap this up. Um, well, I think my final thought... And this is, again, often sort of my 
simplistic explanation or thought about predestination election is when it comes down to it, are we trusting in God's work or are we trusting in our work? Are we trusting in God's faithfulness or do we trust in our faithfulness? Where's which one has more weight on the scale? And I think obviously, well, I, I think it's obvious that I feel way better if God's heavier on the scale than me. Yeah. I also think that's extremely biblical. Yeah. Right. And that's at the end of the day, I would say that's that's the big idea, right? That God carries more weight on the scale than me when it comes to my salvation. Yeah when it comes to holding me fast. And so I don't trust in myself, I trust in him. And I allow my trust in him and my reception and my trust in his grace and the working of the spirit in my life to move me to respond and to live a life of faithfulness. Yeah. And that is that. So I hope you enjoyed that uh, pre-recorded episode about tulip thanks for listening i think we covered everything i think so yeah as always if you have questions hit us up let us know yeah and make sure that you like and subscribe you can um, find us on podbean apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher uh, what's the other one spotify Spotify. amazon uh, alexa you can activate us on your alexa yeah and there's a couple more. So basically anywhere that you find your podcast, you can find us. If you would like for us to be on a different platform, just let us know. And I can make that a reality really quickly. So thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you soon.